This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. This episode is going to be looking at the biggest breakout candidates for the Michigan football team in 2021 uh, going to be going through all the different position groups, not, not group by group, but more player by player, looking at the players who we think based off of either what we saw in high school, uh, what we saw from them last season, or kind of what we're hearing from the football program itself. Uh, players who will emerge as breakout players uh, for this year's version where we are counting people or players who started last fall just because it was a shortened season, but we're kind of keeping an eye on players who are quote unquote, like unestablished. So maybe they started a couple of games, but they weren't, they weren't a focal point in that position group. And so um, there will be a, a more formal ranking story over at the Michigan insider.com Michigan 24 seven sports.com that you can read. I'll have that up in the next couple of days. Uh, but this is kind of Steve and I just bouncing a few names off of each other, seeing seeing you know which players really stand out to us as players who could really take a step forward in 2021. So with that, we can get started. The player who stands out the most to me on Michigan's team, Steve, I don't know who your number one would be, but if I were picking one player who I think this time, six months from now, people are going to view completely differently. I'm going with Cornelius Johnson. Yeah, I think I think he had a really underratedly good season last year. He had multiple 100-yard games. Uh, had a couple games with no catches, so there's certainly some consistency uh, to work on. I think his upper body strength is something uh, that, that I assume would be a focus of his this spring and, and summer, um, just so he can be a little bit more competitive in those 50-50 balls or in the traffic contact situations. But he's... He's tall, he's athletic, he's quick, uh, feels like he has a knack for getting open. I, I don't know, uh, you know, didn't, didn't get to watch the All-22 on his whole career so far, but it, it seemed like there were several plays last fall where he was just almost comically open, you know, so, almost somewhat reminiscent to Nico Collins. Very di- they're, they're different players, but the same kind of deal where you're like, how did they miss him? <laughs> what were they, what were they looking at? And then I think he's also a very quarterback friendly receiver in terms of breaking routes, um, kind of getting, getting open, even if it's not the cleanest angle or the cleanest route. So, uh, you know, he's, he looks to me like someone who I think, I mean, I think he'll be Michigan's best receiver this season. Uh, you know, and that's, that's noting that Ronnie Bell, it seems to beat the guys everyone thinks they're going to be the best receivers each year. But, but I think, I think Cornelius Johnson has, has kind of that, um, you know, the quick twitch ability, the size, I think he's got the, the football IQ. Yeah. He, ha- he has literal IQ. If you go back and look at his recruiting I mean, he had, he had amazing 
SAT scores and everything. But um, yeah, I think he's got all the tools. And I think year three and really year year uh, two and a half, I guess, is what, what you could call it. I think it's when it all comes together. Steve, where where are you? Who's your number one? And, and then also, if it's not Cornelius Johnson, what are your thoughts on him? I'm going to go with Blake Corum. That was my number two. So we're on, we're on the same yeah. page. Yeah. I think he's prime for a breakout type situation here. Um, again, we know running back production is semi-dependent on how the offensive line plays. Right. So, you know, he's going to have to have help up front, but I think he's a guy that Michigan is super excited about. I think he gives them a different dynamic than what they've had at running back the last few years, maybe even longer, I guess. Um, you know, I think a good indication of, of at least how, how highly Michigan thinks of him was the fact, I mean, they got him the ball on the first play of the season last year. That's usually not only, you know, I think one thing we've talked about Michigan offensively, maybe a little more liberal, but uh, not, you know, true freshmen. It's, it's not always, not always seen the field immediately at Michigan for whatever reason. I think it's something we've been pretty critical of with them in the past. I Definitely think on defense, yeah. Right, a little, I mean, yeah, like I said, a little more liberal on offense, but still, um, you know, I think the fact from the very get-go uh, they wanted to get the ball in his hands, I think, says a lot about how they feel about him. And uh, I think you give him a, a bigger role this season, either behind or alongside Hassan Haskins, however it works out. I think he's a guy that can can really kind of give them a, a different style than what, obviously, what Haskins is going to give them. You know, and, and again, a guy that can be a receiving, a running or a receiving threat, which I've spent another criticism is getting the, the hand, uh, getting the ball in the hands of, of running backs in the passing game in the past has been a challenge for whatever reason, something that we feel like they should do more. So I'm putting a little bit of faith in that they're going to try to do that and get him the ball a few different ways. But, but yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's my pick for sure. I think Johnson would be pretty high up there. Uh, he'd definitely be like Charlie top five for sure, if not top three or four. So, uh, yeah, I think for the same reasons, you know, it's like they had a, such a bad season last year. Like people kind of just want to completely forget about it, but there, there, there's still things you can take out of what happened. And I think that's why your point with, with Johnson is, is such a good one. So I don't think I'll pe- people probably don't even really remember at all, like what he did last year or how he looked. It's because like people want to completely erase last season from their memory which is fine just I, were... I, I i could see why yeah right no i mean i, I totally agree uh just saying the like from an individual player standpoint there were yeah. still some bright spots i think aj henning another guy that kind of fits that bill a little bit as far as you know we saw it in flashes last year we saw like this is a guy that could really be dangerous if they can get him the ball so yeah i think we're probably in agreement too that the the bulk of our breakout players are probably or at least our picks to be breakout players are going to be on the offensive side but uh but yeah Blake Corum number one for me yeah Johnson way up there Henning way up there as well yeah and really I mean you could stick in that skill position group because Henning's a good choice Henning's a great choice um just go watch his high school film watch kind of how he performed at drills at the opening um you know, that doesn't mean that players are automatically going to be successful in college, but, but when a player runs, you know, X time in the hundred meter dash or X time in the 40 yard dash, or does, you know, 
X second shuttle run. That means that they have the skills. And, you know, to, to your point about Blake Corum, he ran a laser timed 4.44. Uh, that's for his size. I mean, he's he's five eight, but he's you know uh, built. <laughs> I think he just had a post on Instagram where his biceps look like they're the size of footballs right now. Uh, and so, if he can maintain that speed, you know, he becomes a player that's that's going to be really hard to bring down, and going to be really hard for defenses to, I guess, corral on the first try. And so, yeah, I, I agree. Corum was actually the second name. I wrote down sticking with the skill position. These are, these are a couple players I want to see, or I want to either see or hear more before I put them maybe in the top group of breakout players um, because they're players that the coaches have really uh, lauded for multiple years. You know, they weren't necessarily highly um, scouted or highly rated recruits, but they were recruits at Michigan really, felt like they had won some gigantic victory in getting them. And then as soon as they get to campus, you, know, you have Jim Harbaugh singling both these players out as, as you know, really players who are, who are hitting the ground running. And those are Mike Sainer still and Eric all starting with Sainer still. I think, you know, he never did uh, stuff at the opening. So we don't have a uh, number to attach to his speed, but he's long believed to be one of the fastest players on the team. Um, you know, he had that spring where everyone was talking about him. And then and then he hasn't really met that hype the last two season and a half. I mean, he's played. He quietly started three of Michigan's six games last season. So that's a sign that that Michigan views him pretty highly. And then this spring, he once again, quote, turned heads uh, and and he was cited as one of the biggest, I guess, spring practice standouts. And I can't tell if that was because Giles Jackson happened to hit the transfer portal. I can't tell if that was the coaches deflecting, but at the same time, um, you know, he was someone that they were citing uh, quite a bit in that regard. And then Eric, all similar situation. I mean, you can tell Jim Harbaugh loves him. Uh, You can tell that the coaching staff thinks really highly of him yet still hasn't. I mean, he obviously had a couple drops last season, but he still just hasn't had that, that game where he's, He's showing what he's capable of. So, Steve, those are two more skill position players I'm looking at as potential breakout players. I th- Personally, I, I think I'd have to hear more of them in fall camp or closer to the season. Uh, but what do you think of their breakout potential? Certainly, they have the, the tools and the, and the physical skills, but obviously applying it to games is a different situation. Yeah, I think Eric All is fascinating because I still – I think the, the staff still thinks – he's going to be an impact player at tight end. I don't know if it uh, became a mental thing last year. Maybe he got in his own head a little bit or whatever, but really one of the more like bizarre, you know, fact that like, I mean, it wasn't just us. Everybody was kind of picking him as a breakout. And I think it's because the staff like felt so good about how he looked last off season, how much dedication, how seriously he takes the game, like all the intangible stuff that, uh, you know, any kind of coach, I guess, would love the hands, which were the, really the big letdown, right? I mean, we, we like it's been thrown back at us quite a bit, as we were told multiple times. He had the second best hands in the teams behind behind Nico Collins, and that did not show up on the field at all, right? So, 
I think he's going to be a fascinating one this year. Tight end quietly a spot where, yeah, you almost, you really kind of need him to take a step forward. You lose a little veteran like Eubanks. Two years in a row, you lose a veteran. You're losing veterans in Eubanks, McCune. Now the room is talented, but semi-unproven, right? I mean, we, you know, they got uh, Schoonmaker still alongside. Uh, you got Hibner, uh, Hansen also another young player that I know Michigan's really high on. So, you know, can all kind of take the reins there and run away with it. And uh, with Saner still, yeah, I don't know. You, I think your Giles Jackson point is worth mentioning because, you know, that it would not be surprising to see. But he's another guy that it's, – it's funny, those two specifically almost are kind of guys – when we talk about the practice hype that annoys so many people, a lot of times it's right. Uh, the hype is. Like the, the guys that we've hyped up a lot in the past, usually a lot of times they pan out as individuals. It doesn't always translate to team success. But Sainer still and all are kind of, I think, the sort of the minority of guys that were – we'd hear a lot of really good things about, but it didn't really quite translate onto the field. Uh, we may see it in flashes, but mm-hmm. not enough for it to be to say that they lived up to the expectations that were set forth by either us or the coaches or wherever the information is coming from. So, yeah, I mean, those are two interesting test cases this year, which I I'd say this, we talk about Johnson, Henning, Corum. If you get a, if a Sainter still or an all do step up and become you know, we've said this, we've said this quite a bit this offseason. It's like this offense has a chance to score a lot of points. There's this, there's no more excuses. There's a this is probably I don't know, where would you put the talent level offensively for them this year compared and let's say the of the Harbaugh era? Uh this at least strictly hmm. from a talent standpoint, it's pretty high up there. Uh you know, there's potential impact players at almost every position. That includes the offensive line. Yeah, I think the one thing I would say, because I've seen a couple people nationally actually comment that Michigan's starting to load up on offense. And I and I think it's true to some extent, but they did have, you know, three top one hundred receivers in Peoples Jones, Tariq Black, Nico Collins. Um, you know, they've had top fifty running backs like Zach Charbonnet. You know, Chris Evans was a, was a high, highly rated recruit. Um, you know, it's not like, it's not like at tight end, they were ever, I don't think I've ever gotten like the big fish at tight end, but you know, they did have Jake, Butt, and, and they had a few four-star kind of three-star high three-star mid four-star kind of guys. So in terms of like the, the true talent, it's hard for me to say that this is, the most talented, but I do think there is a lot of skill, as you mentioned, a lot of guys who have track verified speed uh, or, or who have laser timed 40 yard dashes that are really impressive. Um, there's a lot of several players on this team that, um, you know, were, were Michigan's genuine top target for the, for that particular year at that position. And so, yeah, it'll be it'll, you know, it's one guy we haven't mentioned. Roman Wilson runs a 4.37. And so, you know, we went through a pretty long list of players that we think will, will pop this year before mentioning him. So I think there's, there's more than enough talent for this to be a top two or three offense in the Big Ten. I, I think Michigan's going to have to prove a lot of people wrong to get to that level. 
because that requires one, a good offensive line, two, good quarterback play, three, kind of productive coaching now through this through the end of the season because teams are going to adjust they're going to come up with ways to slow down the offense injuries are going to happen um so it's it, they've got a ways to go but i i think from a talent standpoint i think that they have a top three offense in the big 10 the big thing is just getting there and improving it and then to segue the other big thing is having a defense that will We'll put the offense in position to be successful. So on the other side, that's what we're going to talk about looking at the top defensive breakout candidates. This is the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome back. Thanks for waiting. Let's get back to the discussion. Steve, I'll let you go first this time. Uh, Looking at the defensive side of the ball, I've got a few names in mind, but who who stands out as having the most breakout potential this season? Oh, the most breakout potential. Um, yeah, there's a difference between the most important player they need to break out and maybe the one <laughs> who actually has the most potential, right? Sure. I, you know, I'm going to go with Jamon Green. I've still, okay. I've been, feel like I've been a Jamon Green guy since he enrolled, uh, you know, and I think last year, I think the light, I think then we say like, I thought by the end of the season, which again, not saying a ton because the defense struggled so much, but he was one of the top two or three players on the defense last year by the end of the season. Right. I mean, I thought he turned into an asset. Yeah. Uh, I think that's fair at the cornerback spot, which again, the other side that, you know, Vince Gray had a really tough year last year. There wasn't a lot of depth. It felt like, or guys that were, say they're throwing out there or young guys that they should have been giving a shot to, but weren't, uh, you know, so, so I look at green as kind of the, you know, the main guy at corner. I think he's locked down a starting spot again this year. And I think he's a guy, what was interesting about him was that, you know, we talked a little bit about it before he wasn't, he wasn't going to be an instant impact guy. And so I think he, in a, in a way, his career trajectory has kind of been on somewhat of a schedule. You know, he wasn't going to be – you think about the guys that were ahead of him. You know, he was, you're not going to beat out Ambry Thomas. You're not going to beat out LaVert Hill, like those guys – or those types of guys when you're young. You know, he, Michigan at least was producing at cornerback enough to where even the talented kids had to wait their turn to kind of get on the field. So, you know, last year was year three for him. I, I think I think he's met expectations to a certain extent. And I think that well, – I think that being said, I think that there might be another level there. You know, and so plus, he, I mean, and then he's he is really important as well. But but that's a guy I'm kind of looking at. 
The other one, it's probably got to be Chris Hinton. Um, the light's got to come on at some point. I know we're going to do our most important player stuff here in the next few weeks. I mean, he's going to be way, way, way up the list. Um, yeah. They really need they really need him to take a step forward this season because if, if he doesn't play at a you know, he was a I think he was a borderline five star. We may have ended him we may have ended the cycle with him as a very high four. They need yeah, I think to, he was in the top fifty though. Right. They need him to play like a top fifty type recruit this year. I mean, there's just no ifs, ands, and buts about it. So, you know, I think that'll be an, he'll be another one to watch. But but I'm gonna go with Jamon Green as my number one. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I didn't have Jamon Green listed. I, I guess he's like toes that line of he's already kind of been a starter, but you know, what does a breakout season look like for him? I, I agree with you on on Hinton though. I think um I mean Michigan's defense probably isn't very good if him or Mozzie Smith, who was also a pretty highly rated recruit, I think he was like one ten in the country in his class. If one of those two don't break out. I think it would be very difficult for Michigan to field a good defense this season. You know, they have Donovan Jeter. I think Julius Welshoff is quietly, I think he, I think he'll end up cracking my personal list um, because I think he, I think he has a little bit more um, kind of that speed size strength combination than, than people give him credit for. Uh, I think he started to show it last season. And I think, um, I think this year was always going to be the year just because he was his trajectory toward Michigan football was totally different than, you know, an American high school recruits. Um, you know, he was always going to be kind of a, a bit of a project, but I think it's starting to, to come together, but, but I agree. I mean, Hinton, especially, but Mozzie Smith as well. I mean, they were highly rated recruits for a reason. They were top targets for Michigan for a reason. And, and so I think, um, it's hard to act like that they they've done. I mean, you look at history, recent Michigan football history, a lot of defensive linemen really do put it together in year three, but there are also defensive line recruits. You can look at that, that were highly rated that did not put anything together in year three or, or year four. And so, yeah, I think he's, it sounds like we're really negative on him, but I think he still has that potential. He has, um, you know, speaking about Hinton, I think he has, you know, the technique. I think he has the strength. Um, you know, think he, think he really understands the game well. You know, he's been well coached through his whole life, and so yeah, I think, I think he's got got a lot of breakout potential. Um, another player on defense who I think has breakout potential, and I. He started last season, but I think, I think the defense's overall struggles, I think his relative newness to playing the position full-time maybe limited what he could accomplish, and he's still got a lot to learn. But I think Michael Barrett has a chance to be, you know, this is, I guess, a relative statement, but Michigan's best linebacker, and I think he has a, I think he has a chance to be a top 10 top 15 or so linebacker in the conference. And, and I think he has, has some, some ability. I mean, he's got some speed. I think he's got a lot of shiftiness. It's just a matter of getting him in the right position, not letting him get kind of flushed out of place. 
and and really well zeroing in on on making the right play at the right time and he's another guy where I think if he doesn't take a step forward I, I don't know if Michigan's linebacker room takes a step forward you know I, I actually have junior Colson written down on here but he's a true freshman I think it's probably a little unfair to put a, a true freshman in kind of like an on-the-spot situation and so to me it's it's Barrett because they don't have they don't have a ton of speed at linebacker they don't have you know a ton of guys who can kind of make every play but I think I think Michael Barrett is one of those players and I think you know, with, with maybe the right coaching, um, perhaps a more clearly defined position than, you know, kind of the Viper where he was, he was moving all over the place. He's inside linebacker now. Uh, you know, I think he's someone that that's another breakout candidate. Um, your thoughts on, on Barrett or, or other players in the, in the linebacker room. I agree that I think Barrett is the, the guy on this year's roster that can, yeah, can kind of seize that semi-star or star role, right, for Michigan. Another kind of holdover from the Don Brown deal where I think the new staff has already kind of embraced and, and really taken a Barrett as far as a player and, and what he brings to the table both on and off the field. Like, I think I kind of view Barrett as a guy who potentially be one of the leaders for this team defensively this year. So, yeah, he's, that's a good one, uh, you know, and, and again, that's when I picked green, it was, it, it was, yeah, within the confines of what you mentioned before of a guy that started last year, uh, still waiting to see, you know, there's a, such an emphasis on that edge spot. What, you know, what about this year three for David Ajabo too, yep. you know, and, and he's another one, uh, very athletic for his size and not to beat a dead horse, but just two and four season last year and just still didn't even get an opportunity to kind of show maybe what he could do uh, on in an extended role. You know, it was very minimal, which I still will never to this day will understand what they were thinking last year uh, by not giving some of these young guys a little more run. So like I said, now he comes into year three as still relatively green because he didn't get much, even in garbage time last year, didn't play a ton. So He's another one. I think uh, Jalen Harrell, another guy, sort of that edge spot. You know, I think, like we've said before, they're quietly kind of, I feel like they feel like they're deep there, you know, because you had a few guys that didn't really translate at a linebacker spot that have kind of moved into that slot with, with what McDonald wants to do. Ojabo and, and Harrell being two of them. I know the other guy we heard a lot of good things about in the spring was Mike, where Mike Morris was one too. Uh, that we heard a lot of good things about uh, apparently was one of the best players in the spring game. Hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces up front, you know, and I think there are, there are more bodies up front than what people realize. Just a matter of, they got to find someone in the middle. And then some one of one or two of these guys, I think Welshoff is a perfect, a really good example. I think it was a great name to bring up of like, that's a spot where they really need, a couple breakout type players, you know, I just, we didn't get to see enough of these guys though, for me at least to feel comfortable in saying that, you know, A, B or C is going to be a breakout guy, or that I feel comfortable picking them as such uh, because we didn't get to see them last year, you know, very much. So yeah, no, I think, I think Barrett's a great pick. You know, I think we move into the defensive backfield too. 
you know, you talk about RJ Moten. Yes. Right. As a guy who doesn't fit the uh, played a lot deal, that would be more of a Makari page. If you were to pick Makari page as a potential breakout, you know, cause he played quite a bit last season, but yeah, I think Moten's really that, that high ceiling guy. Here's the thing, dude, the more we talk about this, like there's a ton of talent on the defense still. It's just, it's been squandered a little bit as far as I, I just, you know, I know Jordan Morant fought through a lot of injuries last year, not a guy that was really going to see the field. I think even in garbage, you know, whatever, but you know, the no el- eligibility was not burned for any of these guys last season. And it's just, to me, it's just still unfathomable that we didn't see a lot more of some of these kids, uh, you know, in, in what was basically a lost season to begin with. So, you know, <laughs> Mo- Moten, another one, you know, that I think we feel like he could, but have we seen RJ Moten play ex- any extended, has he gotten any extended playing time for Michigan? No. So, right. yeah, I mean, there's just, there's probably eight to 10 names. I think that fit that bill Mullings, another one at linebacker, you know? Uh, so, yeah. And here's the other one, not to forget. We haven't talked about him and, and, and it's tough to put a lot on a true freshman, but still feel good that junior Colson is going to be a really good player for Michigan at some point. And I, I think, you know, he'll be a good to me. He'll be a good litmus test to see if, if the staff is more willing to play younger guys at an earlier stage, because there's no doubt he has the size athleticism to play a linebacker in their system. You know, I think, I think holding on to him in that 21, 2021 class was like probably the most important thing that they could have done outside of solidify that defensive, you know, they made that late defensive line run with Rayshon Benny, uh, George Rooks and uh, Awana, the kid out of Texas. I think besides that, I think keeping junior Colson on board was the most important thing. Uh, Michigan, at least from a defensive standpoint could have done on the recruiting trail last year. Yeah. I, I agree with uh, pretty much all of your picks there. I think Ajabo's on my list run ran a sub 11 second hundred meter dash. And it's a, 250 pound, six foot five edge defender. So, you know, if, if, but, but I think the thing with him is I think Henny only played like seven games of, of high school football when he, well, in his career, when he signed with Michigan, if it was, if it wasn't seven, it was something very close to seven. He was getting big 10 offers because people were seeing him win state track titles and looking at his size and saying, you know, before he even had played a game of football, he had a big 10 football scholarship offer. So, um, you know, I think, I think both between him being really raw and then the other part to, to remember is he wasn't even in the country for several months of Michigan's off season training. You know, he was, he was in Scotland. And so um, I think that it'll be, I think that this off season will be better for him, but I, I agree with you, Steve, that I think this is kind of, this was the year it was supposed to arrive, you know, in terms of his impact on the field. And so whether it does or not, will be a big question, you know, toward his overall career arc Moten. I know Harbaugh singled him out before. It's just kind of one of those athletic freaks. And he was, he was on MLB draft radars. Uh, little surprised he never considered playing baseball for Michigan. 
but at the same time, I think he's, he's someone that just, he really pops in workouts. Now it's a matter of popping on the field in practice. So a lot of that's awareness or game readiness or, or, you know, kind of seeing the field, especially at safety. Uh, you know, I think that's just a, that's a position where kind of you have to read the plays before they happen. And I, I imagine that's something that he's improving on, but it's also a crowded position group. So that's, that's where he would be lower on the, on the list for me, just like a Jabo because they, you know, they have Aiden Hutchinson, they have Daxton Hill, they have Brad Hawkins. Uh, I think there might be room for a second edge rusher. You know, Braden McGregor is another guy who was a high, high pro, highly rated recruit. Uh, Michigan likes Taylor Upshaw. I think that there is room for someone to pass him. You know, Gabe Newberg, Mike Morris, as you mentioned, you know, they, they, they've, they have a few guys who are, who are skilled, but, but I think a Jabo in terms of the ceiling or the breakout potential probably has the highest. So yeah, it'll be Michigan needs a, at least three or four of these guys to really step up on the defensive side of the ball. You know, because at cornerback they have, they have a lot of former four-star recruits or you know highly coveted high three-star recruits. You're thinking about DJ Turner, Vincent Gray, Andre Saldan, Darian Green, Warren to go with Jamon Green. I don't know if any of them really stand out to me as like extreme breakout potential players, but I do think there are those players at linebacker, at defensive edge, maybe a little bit on the defensive line, and then. And then safety, they recruited really well in, what was it, 2019 and 2020 classes. So uh, there should be some players there. Finally, on the offensive line, I think it, it's been said so much that it, it almost he almost wouldn't even count as a breakout player just because he's been discussed so heavily. But Zach Zinter's got to stand out the most. I mean, Michigan, Michigan thinks he'll be a first-team All-Big Ten, you know, potential All-American offensive lineman before he leaves Michigan. Uh, so, you know, there's him. And then I, I, I still think you and I are in agreement on this one. Uh, Carson Barnhart is a number two as an athletic, you know, kind of guard tackle flex, but, but with very above average footwork and quickness. And then Trevor Keegan, uh, <laughs> it's weird. I mean, that, that he had like four good blocks in the Penn State game, and we're talking about him. <laughs> like, you know, he should have, but but he just looked that good uh, and, and that powerful, and and able to just kind of get some leverage and, and and get moving. So I think those are kind of the three offensive line players that stand out to me. Uh, any any other players worth mentioning or discussing that that have a lot of breakout potential in your eyes? I feel like we've named like 65% of the roster. So I DJ Turner, maybe, you know, a kid at corner. I feel like we heard some good things about him waiting to see how they use Andre Selden in this defense too. Right. I think him and Darian green Warren guys that we've heard, you know, Selden's a guy just, I'll be surprised if he doesn't find a role somewhere defensively. I just, it's just pure coverage ability in high school is just too, good not to utilize him in some way you know I just can't imagine you can't find a a matchup for him that he could exploit on that side of the ball so yeah fully agree on Zinter offensive line I think is kind of a microcosm of the team for Michigan this year as far as there's a ton of talent 
offensive line maybe a little more experienced though than there are in some other spots but there's no shortage of talent there and these are guys like you said before recruiting wise especially uh, across the board now these are guys that Michigan wanted and got there's no I don't know I'm not saying that they you know they don't want guys that they have but people understand like these were like top target types you know guys that Michigan had to win legit recruit. I mean, with Carson Barnhart was MSU. Zach Zinter <clears throat> depends on who you talk to. I mean, Notre Dame might've backed off there. feels like that's their mistake now. Um, Keegan was Georgia, Penn state, bunch of schools, Ryan Hayes, Michigan state, Notre Dame. Um, Stuber, maybe a little less. I felt like he was Michigan all the way, but it's still a kid that had 30 offers. So no shortage of talent up there, but besides that, no, I mean, I think we've, pretty much gone over all of the guys that we, we can. Um, I'm just trying to think real quick of anybody else we might've missed, but uh, I don't think so. I think we're probably pretty set. And it will be a longer list this year than, than I would say a normal year, just because so many players who, who maybe would have emerged last season or, or left a stronger impression last season weren't able to, it was a shortened season and they didn't, they didn't play against the teams that the younger players are normally able to kind of find their footing at the college level in. I mean, I think about, well, like a Cornelius Johnson, he had a couple hundred yard games, but imagine if he had a 150 yard game and, and led Michigan to, you know, a big win. Or imagine if Jamon Green had a pick six against a, a Mac team or something. <laughs> so, so it'll be, um, so yeah, the list of players who have not broken out yet, is a lot longer this year than players who are kind of already established your Daxon Hills, your Aiden Hutchinson's Brad Hawkins, Josh Ross. I think on defense that that literally might be the entire list. So, um, you know, and on offense, there's a, there's a couple of players who have, but, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be really fascinating to watch. I think we get asked a lot, like how do you um, levy when a, a team is really excited about a player versus when they, you know, versus when knowing they'll actually translate that to the field. And I think the big thing is, is um, I think you'll start to hear it more in fall camp in the spring. I think there's a little bit more of like the different gamesmanship and stuff like, Oh, such and such is really standing out. A coach might say that to uh, get, get another player to be motivated or, or to encourage that player to keep working hard. I think in the fall, you'll start to hear more, about who's actually starting, who's actually contending for a too deep role that, that maybe was a bit of a surprise. Uh, and I think you'll start to see just because players have been in practice longer, you'll start to see players like Moten translate the athleticism into, I guess, in-game productivity. Maybe, maybe Christopher Hinton is able to start to, to really make some, some strides in, in, in kind of the next step of his game. You know, Michael Barrett will will show slightly more comfort level at the inside linebacker role because because a few of these guys haven't just haven't played their positions very much. You know, think about Ajabo, think of, thinking about Barrett. Um, you know, there's there's a few players who, for for one reason or another, have had to to move around, and then now is the year that it Michigan is hoping it comes together. So anyway. Um, with that, those were our, our breakout choices. There'll be a, a full 
ranking that I'll put together in the next couple days as well. But hopefully you enjoyed this podcast for Steve Lorenz. I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Feel free to subscribe, follow the podcast, throw us a positive rating if you liked it. Uh, Let us know what you liked about it. And then uh, be sure to check out all of our other podcasts and all of our other stories over at the MichiganInsider.com and Michigan.247sports.com. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.